Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means shaking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up, and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here, and I'm with my good friend. Which way is he? He's that way. Ryan Penny. <laughs> Handshake. Uh, now, yeah. Um, finger tap. <laughs> social distancing. So lots of people say my good friend when they do collaborations but um i'm very grateful and privileged to say that ryan actually is a very good friend it's not just something uh, that we're saying because we're collaborating on this video now um ryan and i have had some good discussions over this lockdown he's just sharing some uh posts and videos now he's not being ignorant and looking down at his phone while i'm doing the intro uh and we have very similar thoughts i think or at least we share um a similar vision when it comes to creativity, innovation, disruption, ideas, challenges. We were, we were having a discussion about the pivot, you know, the pivot that everyone's talking about, the great big pivot and what the pivot actually means. And I think we both saw similarities of it not being what everyone thought it might be. Um, and so we just thought it'd be fun to do um, a life together. Right, Ryan, creativity, innovation, disruption, super genius, solving problems, the, the pivot, Surviving and thriving in the post-lockdown world. What are your thoughts? Yeah, thanks. Ed, it's a great conversation, isn't it? And I love chatting with you and I love uh, connecting with you because I think our approach to life, uh, our approach to business, uh, our, our dedication to helping, serving, inspiring, and also learning from people, including our customers, which are, you know it's a great privilege to work with as many people as we do because we learn things faster, I think. If you're working with lots of people at a rapid pace, you notice patterns. And I kind of had a chat with you just a few weeks ago through some podcasting because you you helping me launch my podcast. I'm very grateful for that. And I was on podcast interviews and people kept saying, okay, so how did you pivot your business? And there wasn't, I understand where people are coming from. And I didn't feel like I was pivoting my business. And so I kind of proposed this to you. I was like, hey, did you pivot your business or what did you do? Because I always felt like I was innovating. I always felt like I'm coming up with new ideas. Of course, can't implement them immediately because we've got day-to-day -day stuff to create and we've got priorities and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, a fundamental aspect to what I teach is creativity. So I couldn't really, with integrity and authenticity and honestly tell people that I pivoted, but basically what happened for me was now I, because of the lockdown, I had all this time to actually accelerate stuff that I was already innovating. And that's, that's what created this conversation between us and, and the ideas. And I don't think we're saying to people, listen, if you're pivoting or needing to pivot, that that's wrong. But perhaps it's possibly showing that maybe as a business owner or entrepreneur or a creator of some sorts, maybe musician, maybe actor, maybe anything that relies on creativity, 
if you're needing to be pivoting now, maybe you're not spending enough time innovating and therefore you, it feels like the word pivot is slightly more reactive than creative. So would you agree with that? Yeah, I've just picked out two words you've said. This could actually really um, lead to something. Accelerated innovation. So we, we were talking about this whole thing of the pivot. And, and honestly, Ryan, I told you this. Maybe in the first six weeks, I was going with that word because that was the word people were using. And I converted a lot of my face-to-face courses to online courses. I created them quicker. Um, and I did think, yeah, I've pivoted my business. But actually thinking about it, I didn't because we were still delivering training. We changed our delivery mechanism, which was um, face-to-face to online. We probably added more value because I think the world demanded a bit more value because of the lockdown. But all we did was accelerated our progression or accelerated our innovation. You know, we started using StreamYard, this service, so we could multi-stream out to multi-platforms. We started doing a day-long summits rather than two-hour evening webinars. But it wasn't like we went from uh, training to medicine or some new technology, which probably that would be a pivot, wouldn't it? Um, So I think the key thing we were were talking about, Ryan, that I think one of the reasons why we wanted to do this uh, live was um, if you are creative, if you are continually innovating, if you are progressively innovating, then when you have challenges, you're already moving forward towards solving those challenges and maybe you just need to speed them up, um, you know, or implement them in a different media. So going from face-to-face events to delivering online or converting trainings from one, one media to another. So w- thinking back now, now what are we, four months in, we didn't pivot. We just acted faster on the momentum of what we we're already doing. Yeah. Now, I always say to people that you're probably wise to have more than one business model. I believe in multiple streams of income. Um, I believe in relative diversity. Uh, I think if you're too diverse, you're spread too thin. But uh, I think if you have relative diversity um, or diversification, it means if you're challenged um, in one area, like you can't do face-to-face events, you can move very quickly, not pivot, but um, accelerate your innovation (laughs) into online. Um, if for another, another reason why a reason I want to go global, um, John DeMartini, who's, um, you know, uh, a mentor of sorts of mine. And he says, make the globe your playground. So when the globe is your pay- playground, if there is a recession in the UK, well, then you can just play in America. And if there's something going on in America, well, you can play in South Africa or you can play in Australia. Um, and so the ability to move into different countries that's not necessarily a pivot. That's a dance and a movement. So yeah. I think the thing you and I, are, and I'd like your thoughts on this, Ryan, you and I um, really embrace creativity, innovation, disruption, finding your own genius, and as you call it, super genius, uh, as a legitimate business strategy, not just for people who are artists or musicians or traditionally stereotypically creative. People are always saying to me, oh, Rob, do you still do your art? Your art, or why don't you do your art anymore? You know, you seem like a creative guy. How do you get your creative juices and needs met? Doing lives, doing business, yeah. <laughs> building the um, you know the little empire that I have. So yeah, what are your thoughts on creativity, innovation in commercial business? 
Yeah, I think, you know, everything you're saying is 100% correct. And it's a great challenge, isn't it? Particularly if someone's starting fresh, you know, you have to make the sales, create the product, deliver the product, deal with the bookkeeping, create the admin. So, you know, we're sitting here, you know, you've got a larger team than me. You know, we've got people doing day-to-day stuff. So maybe we've got more time to think ahead. But a lot of my motivation, because that's a question I get a lot, right? People say to me, how do you stay motivated? And again, I can't tell you that I stay motivated. I possibly have experienced so much challenge and pain and problems, and I'd be curious to hear your perspective on this, that I'm almost slightly paranoid that what I'm doing right now is not going to work long term. So I'm preempting maybe a recession or I'm preempting, oh my gosh, Facebook ads are going to stop working at some point. So that's what motivates me to innovate. You know, I, I've, I've failed in 2008. I was right on my arse. I was. Um, and uh, it wasn't actually my fault in that respect because I was speaking for Rich Dad Poor Dad uh, and they failed to innovate. And so because they failed to innovate, you know, they were caught with a pants down in 2008. But we've seen many, many businesses. I, I think I have a natural passion for business. And so I, I love reading about businesses that succeeded and why some businesses fail. Because as you know, there's tremendous value in learning from other people's mistakes. So we see, you know, the classic companies, Kodak, many of the high street businesses that are failing to innovate, not necessarily pivot, and, and can be like gone within a month, right? I mean, businesses run by people who are much smarter than me, teams that are much better than our teams. Um, you know, companies that have legacies and traditions and, and a customer base, which stop being loyal when Amazon come along. <laughs> so so I've, I've got a little bit of fear. I'd say like a healthy anxiety around evolution. Uh, it was through Ray Dalio's book, Principle, um, who a good friend of mine, Daniel Priestley, gave me. When I read that, I realized oh, the way to not just stay in the game, but to win the game in my own parameters, not like competing with you or competing with John Martini, who's an absolute genius in his own right. But winning my own game is if I'm evolving, which I would define as innovating, then I'm growing. Uh, the motivation comes from within. I'm challenging myself before the universe challenges me out of necessity because I'm being lazy. Uh, and, and if I'm really honest, I've actually found tremendous joy and fulfillment in coming up with new ideas. I think that's why you and I love bouncing off each other because we love sharing perspectives. We don't necessarily agree on everything all the time. And I think that's part of creativity. Your approach might not suit me. Sometimes the way I approach something, it might not suit you. And I think that's where things like abundance and all these spiritual terms actually are born from. The fact that I believe we're all born to create. You know, if you want a relationship, go create a relationship innovate who you are, explore things, try things out, do a bit of art, ride a motorcycle. You might not like it, but you might. Uh, I know you speak quite a lot about people going out and trying things out and testing and, and, and not just in business, but in all areas of life. So in a way, I'm probably saying that we were born to innovate. And, you know, if we look at our world today, my God, do we need people to go out and innovate some, some solutions to some serious problems? So, I don't see my life as business and personal. It's all one big salad bar for me. <laughs> you know I mean? like, it's just all big, one big amazing adventure. Uh, 
Um, but, uh, but I think people underestimate their intuitive and imaginative ability to come up with solutions when um, they want to proactively or when their back's against the wall. And I actually put that down to a failure of education uh, because we're, we're told to follow a certain system. As you know, you know, we get punished for making mistakes. My God, innovation is about messing up, right? <laughs> you have to mess up when you innovate. Um, is it Keith or Kevin Clark on TED talks about the fact that education is the killer of creativity. So we're conditioned not to make mistakes. So no wonder most of the population are dead afraid of innovating. Um, it's fun, you know. I'm sure yeah. you have lots of fun. Yeah, I think some picking up on some little things you said. First thing would be motivation. I think motiva motivation is extrinsic, and I think inspiration is intrinsic. Yeah. And if I define these words, creativity, innovation, disruption, some people love them, some people hate them, some people feel that they're creative and innovative. Other people think, well, that's just not me. But in reality, like you said, every, every person is um, born to be creative, in, innovative, to disrupt, etc. Um, I agree with that because I believe that one of the purposes of humanity is evolution. We don't, mm -hmm. if, if we don't evolve, we die. Therefore, we have to evolve to survive and thrive. We have to react to a changing environment because the environment is changing. And if we don't react to that world, we will, get, we will be extinct. So one of, surely one of our purposes as a human race collectively is to evolve, which is to grow, which is to change. And disruption and innovation and creativity is change, which is evolution. So therefore, I agree it's born within us, whoever we are. The next thing really is they are quite fancy words for solving problems. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, you know, if you get, if you just get in the mindset of solving problems, um, I'm quite going to quote John Martini again here um, because he's probably the person I study the most, certainly at the moment, but probably for 15 years he has been. And um, he says that genius, um, in fact, I've written it down, so I'll say it word for word, otherwise I'll, I'll misquote it. So he says, genius is the pursuit of challenges that inspire you. Mm. There you go. I love that. That's genius, genius is the pursuit of challenges that inspire you. Because you have the super genius phrase that you use, Ryan. And that, that term is a little bit emotion laden. You know, some people are a genius. The rest of us mere mortals aren't. You know, we often pedestalize a genius or think that someone has some divine talent or, or genetic advantage, when in reality, I believe we're all a genius in the things we are passionately pursuing that inspire us, that are important to us. Um, and that is intrinsic. And that's the difference, I think, between inspiration and motivation. Nothing wrong with motivation. Sometimes you need to kick up the ass, a slap around the face, a deadline. You know, sometimes we've got to push through um, our short-term emotions and desires. But if we want vast and lasting success, as defined by yourself, then we need internal motivation, which is inspiration. Um, and ultimately, creativity, innovation and disruption leading to your own genius is the desire um, to solve challenges in areas that inspire you. Now, there's two ways to look at challenges or stress or problems. There's the distress and the eustress. So the distress is the negative stress, the anxiety, the, the pain, the oh, why me, the oh, why now, the I can't do it. And then there's the you stress, like, um, you know, when you had a deadline that you met um, or when you did a couple of all-nighters at university because it had to be done or, or um, you know, like you imagine a coder 
it, um, or, or like one of those baddies in a James Bond film who's doing something on the computer, laughing like Dr. Evil. Um, you can imagine a coder having 15 Red Bulls and be like, right, you've given me the biggest coding problem in the world. I'm going to have seven sleepless nights until I figure out this um, major algorithm or this code. So can you be someone who can face your challenges and problems with almost a sadistic pleasure, with gratitude, um, with a desire to, to solve and a desire to serve? Because if, um, if genius is the pursuit of challenges that inspire you, then the way that you contribute to the human race for ultimate evolution is in something that also serves other people or serves your community or your country or your continent or the globe. Um, and and I, I've been trying periodically um, to demystify these words of creativity, innovation, disruption and pivot um, as words that are um, genetic or words that are only for really creative people uh, and ma make everyone hopefully realize these are a, a, a human pursuit. Um, also, um, it doesn't have to be something that you get a eureka moment on. I think that if you think about film or media, there's the perception that you get the idea in the shower or the bath or you wake up at three in the morning or you watch the film and there's that one moment where they're like, oh, I've got it. But actually, it's often many failed tests like the 10,000 experiments on the light bulb or, um, you know, you, you try things five or six times and they break. Um, or you make many small mistakes. People are always asking me about my big mistakes. And, you know, I've made a couple of big mistakes, but most of my mistakes are small, frequent and fast. So if you can perform a, a set of small, frequent and fast mistakes, you're going to fail your way to success. I don't believe you can succeed your way to success. I think that's impossible. I think you can only fail your way to success. Um, but... Yeah, someone just said, I'm not used to seeing Ryan so quiet. It's weird. That's because we're having a dialogue, Christine. It's Ryan <laughs> me, then Ryan, then me, then Ryan, then me. Over to you, Ryan. Any thoughts on any of that? I mean, by the way, we don't have a script tonight. I actually suggested... We're innovating. We're innovating. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I we said were to Ryan, have a script, and then we pivoted, so... Yes, yeah, 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 <laughs> and we disrupted ourselves. <laughs> yeah. um, I actually said to Ryan, I'd be really quite keen to do a podcast with him on creativity and innovation. And we both agreed, well, I've got two podcasts. Ryan's launching here. So let's wait. Everything you said, Rob, is 100% correct. You know, I love John, John Martini's definition. The, the guy is a genius, right? Uh, I remember seeing him speak uh, in London and I was like, holy smokes. I was so impressed. And um, didn't he have an affirmation or a mantra saying, you know, I'm a genius and I apply my wisdom? He used to say that every yeah. morning. I think he still says it, right? So yeah. I remember thinking, like, geez, that's a bit arrogant, saying you've got a genius, mate. And now here I am teaching people how to unleash their genius, how, how interesting the world returns. So everything is correct. And I, and, I don't, and I think what we're saying here is what's beautiful is it doesn't really matter how you get to where you want to be. You know, it could be a, a piece of motivation. You might have an external movie or something inspire you. You might have a life event, health, relationship, familial. You know, one of the big drivers in, in my life financially is the fact that my dad uh, got dementia 
from alcoholism probably 10, 11, 12 years ago at a time where I was just coasting. And then suddenly I kind of had this like 50 year old kid to look after, rent, all that type of stuff, medical costs, a lot of money. Yeah? And I was like, man, I need to get going. So it's, it's quite interesting where those motivations come from. So I'll throw something in addition to what you've said. And, and I think it'll be very complimentary and, and quite out there, uh, maybe for those people who aren't familiar with what I do. So yeah, genius is about natural gifts and talents. You know, for myself, I would argue that speaking is something I, I love. Um, some might argue that I'm not talented in the area of speaking, and I respect that opinion. Um, but I love it. And, and that kind of goes back to my childhood, you know, in primary school and high school, I was doing public speaking. I entered public speaking competitions. No one taught me how to do it. I wasn't very scripted and I wasn't very uh, professional, kind of like my speaking style now. And I still won public speaking competitions. No one had to teach that to me. So I think some people do have, sorry, let me rephrase that. Everyone has natural gifts and talents. And maybe part of our life is to discover what those are. And we have, we have them across all areas of life. I've got a passion for motorcycles. You've got a passion for cars. You've got a passion for art. So I think what I used to get was I used to get purpose, righteousness, stress disorder. Like, what's my purpose? I've got to find my purpose. And what's lovely about saying, hey, do you know what? Maybe my purpose is to just create things, whether it's creating a dinner this evening with my family and just enjoying that, whether it's creating a painting, even though I might not be able to paint. Uh, you know, it could be creating a song, could be creating a business. Maybe it could be a long-term goal. And then through those processes of creating, failing small, as you put it, we then start to pay attention to what John might call, John Martini might call, what inspires you, what brings a tear of gratitude and joy to you. Like, wow, I, I kind of have an expression. I say, what makes your soul sizzle? And there's another definition of genius, which I've built my business around. And I don't think I've shared this with you, actually. And that is that if you look up the original definition of the word genius, it is actually the inner guiding spirit that we have. Because the concept of the genius, the lamp, you know, the three wishes, all of that stuff came from a time, pre-ancient Roman times, where people created amazing works of genius, architecture, mathematics, music, all of that kind of stuff. And when people created these things, they were like, whoa. This is like not human. This has come from another place. So this must be some, from some spiritual place. And we're going to call that a genii. So that's the original etymology of the word genius. And so what I do is I teach people, you all have an inner genius. And my belief, look, I, I innovated this. I made it up. You know, like <laughs> my belief is that our spirit, our inner spirit, talks to us through intuition and imagination. You know, Rob, you, you, you and Mark have tremendous genius in business. That's why you're successful. Your results reflect that. You know, your reality reflects how connected you are to your genius. And I believe you know, another topic that you and I are very passionate about because we've gone through that and still go through that now from time to time, but also had that within our family is mental, emotional well-being for me is symptomatic of how connected we are authentically to that guiding spirit. So, you know, for me, Intuition is critical. Imagination is critical. Again, capabilities that everybody has, but unfortunately, our education system do not empower in us. You know, I remember being fantasizing and being creative and obviously being super talkative at school, right? So that's why someone has said, I've never seen you so quiet before. I used to get punished for being talkative. Imagine if I was in a school 
that celebrated that ability, the fact that I was very chatty, the fact that I could entertain, the fact that I liked teaching people. Even at school, I used to teach people maths and English, and I loved that. Imagine if I had a teacher who said, okay, this dude is annoying, but he is passionate about teaching. Let's embrace those natural gifts and talents. So, you know, I think, I think we've got to be mindful about where we get our um, inspiration from. I think everyone's different. Uh, I think you've given uh, many, many good examples of where people can draw inspiration from. And uh, the analogy I like to give people is imagine your creativity is like a garden. You know, one day you might plant roses, tend to those. Sometimes you're going to take some weeds out, you know, because there's things that are uh, imp impacting your creativity in a negative way. For me, I've just off record spoke to you before the call saying, man, I realized that caffeine was um, sabotaging my creativity. I felt really flat. I felt a little bit anxious. So I decided to give up coffee about two weeks ago. So we all got to find out what, what is our garden uh, flourish from? And what, what are the weeds in our garden and what we want to plant into that? So it's, a it's actually heartbreaking, if I'm honest. The amount of workshops I've run, I've had a few thousand people come through my workshops. And a, a lot of adults are very serious, particularly here in, the, in, in England. They're very serious. And I'm like, cool, what do you do for joy? What, what would you love to create just for the sake of having fun? And it's like I'm speaking Russian. So this is a, this is a, I think creativity is yes, you know, artists, music, musicians, entrepreneurs, you have to be creative. You have to create products. You have to create a team. You have to create a brand. It's like, you know, you can't be an entrepreneur if you can't create. But what about other areas of life? Relationships. How can we innovate and evolve our relationship to get deeper in intimacy, get more fuller in love, do some fun things? My partner and I, we've bought a camper van, which I... I'm picking up on Monday. I'm really looking forward to that. It's not your stereotypical camper van. I know I'm 41, but it's not what you guys are imagining. It's very pimp. It's got LED lights and all them, you know, really fancy things. But we're going to go camping. We might find on the first weekend we absolutely hate it. Well, at least we tried, you know. <laughs> but it's going to make our relationship more colorful, more adventurous. Um, and I think we should just be a bit braver in trying things out. But exactly like you said, in small doses. I think the big mistake I made, and, and I wouldn't say it's a regret, but the thing that cost me a lot of time and money was I was testing big things out at the start of my entrepreneurial career that was high risk, you know, a little bit of ambition mixed with naivety. Whereas now if I try things out, I do a webinar with 20 people. I'm cool with that. And if that works, scale it. If it doesn't, can it. So, you know, um, innovate small, have fun with it. Don't worry about getting it right. And, and get other people involved. I think, you know, we can really empower people mentally and emotionally through getting them involved in creating things. Um, and, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I just think it's why we're here on the planet is to have fun and create what we want, to be honest. You know, I, just to finish on one point, and I'd be curious to hear your perspective on this because I know recently you've been speaking a lot about spirituality. For me, spirituality is the art of taking your intuition and bringing it out into the material world, you know, conceiving what you want, whether it's a family, a house, a dinner, uh, a, a camper van, <laughs> as opposed to, and forgive me if I'm speaking out of turn, if I've misunderstood the law of attraction and the secret, but there is, there is some misconception that you just imagine things and then it manifests. Whereas for me, 
creativity is like, imagine it, face your demons, get over your insecurities, learn the how, maybe get a mentor, you know, try things out and actually take action to manifest as opposed to hope, pray, imagine, and then expect it. Hi, it's Rob here, interrupting you with something you may not know about me. I was one of the few people on the planet hand-selected by Facebook to pilot their new supporter program. It's a very small premium model where you can get exclusive content and advance notice or discount of new products and services. So this is what I've done for you. Not only can you get best discounts, for any training that we might run. Not only do you get notified first of any launches we do, we also do supporter meetups, supporter dinners, supporter WhatsApp groups where you have a a deeper community. I do supporter only ask me anythings. I do supporter only content and podcasts. We have a community of 2,500 supporters and I'd love to give you the chance to be one of those. I believe this is the best supporter program in the whole world. Find me a better one, but I don't think you will. So the link is bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. That's bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. I believe the gap between free content and paid content is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. There's a lot of free content out there that's maybe not that good. And for just a few dollars a month, you can get the best content on business, on entrepreneurship, on starting up, on scaling up, on sales, on marketing, on the mindset of being an entrepreneur. So go to bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R right now. What are your yeah. thoughts on the on the wishful thinking of creativity and uh, not needing to take action? <laughs> um, so the first thing I've learned and picked up from you, Ryan, is which I like and I think it's going to help a lot of entrepreneurs is really you use the word create instead of creativity. Now, obviously, yeah. creativity is a long version of the word create, but I think language is really important. And creativity, you would hear an artist, a designer, an architect, a musician talk about, you know, with freedom of expression. But it might not be something someone who's technical or who's in business may think is them. But really, when you, you've changed creativity to create from or creation, and really a, a creation or to create is a decision, is the thought turned into a decision turned into an action. So I think if entrepreneurs can think about creating more than needing to be creative, then I think it gives you license and permission to test, to not have to have the big eureka idea. Um, I think in a way, innovation is just a series of ongoing tests or um, or it's a, 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 a sign of progress Whereas I think a lot of people think innovation has to be something that changes the world, you know, like the the iPhone or some amazing invention. Um, so I think a lot of people maybe perceive that creativity and innovation are really big, singular, unicorn events that are out of reach for most people. But I think when you actually study people who've been very creative, um, they've either done 50, 100 or 1,000 tests or they've stumbled on the answer by an accident. I mean, if you think post-it note accident, penicillin accident, uh, cornflakes accident, and you can go on and on and on about uh, things that 
um, have ended up really changing the world that were an accident. Um, so that's my thought on on your use of language of create because you say create. And it's very conscious, by the way. It's yes. very conscious. I consciously chose to not not just in this call, but five six years ago when I decided to create a workshop just to see what had happened. I didn't have an intention of being a speaker. I just said, cool, I'm just going to create a workshop, see what happens. I had 300 yeah. people show up. That was at the time where hardly anyone was doing Facebook ads. So I could boost the post and then 300 people showed up and it was like, oh, I don't have a registration list. But um, so I consciously wanted to do that because one of the challenges we have is the use of language and the fact that what something could mean for me could mean something completely different for you. So that's kind of why I just wanted to make it about creating as opposed to creativity. So well, well done mm -hmm. for picking up on that. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I thought you were conscious of that. And the reason I'm saying that is it turns it into something for arty or um, special people into something for anyone and everyone, even technical yeah. people or business people or entrepreneurs. Like I thoroughly believe that entrepreneurs are highly creative. I thoroughly believe that tax specialists I've got a very creative tax specialist um, and, and I've got creative people around me who would not deem themselves as creative. Um, again, creativity could be solve, uh, seen as solving problems, um, continuing to solve problems, having a sadistic desire and an inspired passion um, to solve problems. All right. So then you've sort of pivoted the conversation now and I'll go with that on this whole thing of spirituality and the whole thing of manifestation. So two quite separate subjects for me. Um, to, to, to de define spirituality um, is, is way beyond my own um, consciousness. I think spirituality is far greater and more infinite and wise than any individual human being. Um, but if I could give you my interpretation of it, I think that um, there was a quote, and. Um, uh, it's a difficult one for me to recite, so I'm going to try, and I might need a couple of goes. But I think is spirit without matter is motionless, and matter without spirit is expressionless. Spirit without matter is motionless, and matter without spirit is expressionless. I think I've got it the right way around. Um, so basically... Um, spirit as an idea, whether you see that as faith or religion or energy or intuition or creativity or something ethereal and intangible and human, um, because I think we could define it as all those things and more, um, cannot exist without material expression or matter. You know, we, we are matter, aren't we? Human beings are matter. Um, it, it, it doesn't express without matter. Um, so therefore, spirit is some kind of abstract concept or idea or energy that is brought to life through the human form, through humanity. Um, when we conceive an idea and then that idea becomes either a matter of our bodily matter, the human being, or physical material matter, like we build a building or we create a painting. Mm. So I would say that all human form or form created from humanity is an expression of spirit. Um, but spirit doesn't exist without matter. At least it's just, 
you, you know, you put you put spirit into a a watch, and then you have Patek Philippe. You put spirit into a motorcycle, and you have Ducati. It's just a chunk of metal, but yeah. Ducati <laughs> is it's the spirit, the idea, the charm, the humanity, the charisma, the values, the disruption, the personality. It's all of those things. So that word spiritual is loaded with religious and um, you know, law of attraction and, and faith-based um, words and ideals. But for me, it's, spirit is just an expression of humanity um, and then material and matter make it into something because without that, it, 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 it doesn't exist. It's, it's latent. It's pure potentiality, but it's not reality. Um, so I know that was long-winded, and I could probably make that more concise. No, no, no. It was very, very, um, very eloquent. Yeah, it was clear, super clear. I could make it a bit more soundbitey. Um, but I think spirituality is and spirit is all around us. I mean, I'm wearing an Alexander McQueen shirt, um, and whether you like the design or not, I'm wearing something um, that expresses his uniqueness and individuality and you know, how he believed in making people feel something, whether they liked him or not. And I, I bought this Alexander McQueen bracelet. I don't, I'm not really into jewellery myself, but for me, there's spirit in this piece of black metal. There's spirit in an Audemars Piguet watch because there's a um, one of the only family-run high-end watch brands left, you know, who have, um, who have uh, a spirituality of to master the rules first you, to break the rules first you must master them um so in that is a spirit and a um a set of values and a way of doing things that that comes through a watch um now when it comes to law of attraction and manifestation and um i do think that there's something i've studied a uh, dr joe Dispenza, um a, among other people of course but he talks about the unified field. He talks about the, the quantum um, and the fact that there's this field that is um, not visible in the, the human spectrum, i.e. The, the light spectrum that we can see. This field is um, outside of that range. We can't see it. Um, but, but in this unified field exists everything in potentiality simultaneously, past, present and future. Uh, and that's something that human beings can tap into to create and manifest, um, uh, you know, a, a result, an action, uh, you know, a future physical event. Um, and I haven't fully got my head around that yet. I probably need to do more study and more practice. But if you think about it, the saying thoughts become things is very true. Um, and everything that we've ever done at some point has been a thought. Everything that's, everything that's ever happened at some point, point has been a thought so i think thought has energy therefore i think thoughts can become things but if you want to manifest something more more clear more specific a goal you know something very idealistic clear then specific actions towards that uh, i think are going to make that likely to happen but then there's this sadistic nature of the universe which presents us things in a way that we didn't quite fucking wish for so <laughs> you, know, it's, it's not, you know they say the same be careful what you wish for so yeah. 
whilst I think it's possible to have to manifest, I think it's possible to, uh, you know, tap into something ethereal that we can't see that has a, a, a creation element. Um, I don't think human beings are anywhere near mastering the specificity yeah. of what that is and when that is. Um, and I wonder if in 10,000 years, Ryan, it's a shame we're not going to be around then because I reckon if we as human beings practice this more, I reckon we could get better at it. Now, on the other side of that is the hustle where yeah. you, know, you just like do, 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 do. You like that little um, sort of Westy dog that humps a tree over and over, hump, 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 <laughs> do, 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 hustle, 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 hustle. And I think that I think there's this sort of, oh, I'm going to meditate my millions is the one extreme. And then I'm just going to graft and graft and graft and graft and graft. And, you, you know, that that tense energy, that um, persistence that can turn into annoyance. Um, I think that's the other extreme whereby sometimes you have to let go to grow. Um, and sometimes you have to have faith that you can't control everything. And um, so that's my long winded way of saying probably a, a balance somewhere between manifestation and attraction. Yeah. And then decision and action. I agree. Perhaps maybe we can make up our own uh, definition of genius, which is it's the point where the hustle meets, you know, thoughts become things. So, I, you know, I teach people to make thoughts become things. But there's a few steps in the middle, which sometimes includes a hustle, by the way. Mm. And so what that is is about, yes, conceive of what you want in your imagination, your third eye, your intuition, however you want to phrase that your thoughts as they used to say in the old school personal development books but then what i found is that engages my spirit which you know remember we said is your inner guiding spirit like an internal sat nav that gives me intuition and that intuition says okay in your next facebook ad the, uh, invert the image to black and white i remember doing that just before i went to a traffic and conversion summit right and I was like, that's ridiculous. No one's going to click on that. All right. And the ad exploded. So the thought was, or the visualization, you know, I'm, I'm a very, I, I teach people, you, you've got to have a vision. You, you talk a lot about vision. You know, of course, I think there's a couple of things. One, you've got to learn the process of creativity. That's important. Then when you get the knack of that, then you've got to go like, okay, cool. Now I've mastered creating. Now what am I going to create? Like, let's wipe the slate clean, let's get rid of what's possible, let's get of fear around limited resources, let's get fear, rid of the fear of criticism, all that stuff that holds back. Now, what would I really love to create if I knew I couldn't fail, if you wanted to say that? But, you know, my intuition said, and I've got no marketing experience, you know, <laughs> we've sat down together and you know the limitations of my marketing skills, right? But the truth is I've still generated over 7 million pounds from an electrical engineering degree. And by the way, I have been one of those software dudes uh, who had to hand in his software program. Um, and uh, because I took so much drugs during my university uh, degree, I didn't actually know what I was doing. So I did have sleepless nights and Red Bulls and all that because I had to study uh, uh, Java in like a week. So, um, so when you said that, I was like, oh, you brought back really bad flashbacks. But, but my point is that, you know, my intuition or Steven Spielberg calls it, your inner whisper, I like that, 
our intuition is like a little whisper, isn't it? And then our thoughts and feelings are raging. Oh, you can't do that. Oh, you're not good enough. That guy's richer. That person criticized you. Our thoughts and feelings are super loud. And our little genius is going, come on, just try one more time. Go on stage. Tell a joke about a golden jacket. You know, the little risks. Yeah, I, I think you probably, forgive me if I'm speaking out of turn, yeah, you're probably more connected to your inner whisper and your genius than you may realize. Because you kind of learn to trust that navigation because you take small risks and invariably through trial and error over time and probably many failures on a small level learned okay i know which whisper to listen to so i'm going to do a keynote speak a presentation but i'm not going to have slides i'm going to go off my phone and do it completely differently and then you get voted best speaker it's like that's risky you know <laughs> no one's done that so where did you get that idea from it wasn't google it wasn't a mentor you had a little whisper and you thought Fuck it, I'm gonna try it out, right? So, yeah. so yes, thoughts become intuition. Intuition becomes action, action becomes things. That's, mm. that's basically the philosophy that I teach people. But I, I, yeah. my point was, you can't just imagine stuff and then, oh yeah, I'm a euro millions, we learned. That, that'd be sick. You know, if that was the case, um, you and I would be uh, on the management team for Liverpool Football Club celebrating with them right now. We're not, we're here doing a Facebook Live. <laughs> So, yeah, um, I, I love your perspective. Um, I think you're a very spiritual person in your own right because I don't believe you can be successful and generous. You know, uh, if I can, if I can speak very highly of you for a moment, you know, you can be successful and be a knobhead and and do it at the demise of other people, but then you can be successful and to go back to a very critical word that you used, which is in service to others then, you know, for me, I don't think there's a greater quality of spirituality than dedicating your life to serving others. And, and I might be speaking out of turn you again, but, you know, we have lots of conversations where you're, you're saying, you know, gosh, I'm feeling a bit tired because I've just been serving people. I've done my fifth, I've done like six 15 minute calls. You give a lot of yourself, right? And, and for me, that's genius. Genius is serving people with your natural gifts and talents. And if that's not spirit spirituality, then, you know, I, I don't know what is. But I, I guess what I'm trying to say as well is, and we're innovating a call here, is that being a creator is requiring, I've got to remember I've got a small window here. Uh, I know I'm skinny, but I'm not used to this small frame. But uh, being a creator requires a degree of mental mastery, perhaps, right? emotional mastery, uh, physical mastery as well, manifestation, and spiritual mastery. And when you can get those blends at a reasonable balance, I, I think people can really be surprised at what, what they can create and achieve in their life and, and, and the big problems they can solve. Um, you know, I didn't ever think, <laughs> you, know, you know, for the area that I come from and uh, the community I come from to, to, to think about where I am right now uh, would have been impossible, you know, and and to be inspired by the fact that I want to raise the consciousness of the planet because I believe that if we can raise the consciousness of the planet, people will automatically want to create. They won't protest. They won't conspire and they won't judge each other. They'll go, hey, what are you creating? It's a bit like me and you, you know. It's like, hey, I'm creating this. Oh, I'm also creating this. Why don't we create it together? And then one plus one equals 11. And then not only do we solve one problem, we solve many problems. 
So, you know, I think, I think um, spirituality is obviously a big topic away above my pay grade. And I think you said the same thing, which is very humble. Um, I think uh, I've done a lot of therapy in my younger years, in my 20s. I had a lot of trauma in my childhood. And I guess what I'm saying is the most healing thing I've ever done was, okay, what am I going to create today? You know, lockdown happened four months ago. Um, and I was like, okay, <laughs> wow, can't run events. I uh, prepared for a recession, but I didn't prepare for like not running events. <laughs> like where was, where's that in the workbook? Where's that in the seminar workbook that I attended 10 years ago, preparation for COVID, like it doesn't exist. But I guess because I was, because I've got a bit of familiarity around creativity, it's kind of in my second nature. I was like, okay, Dan, my, my fiance, I was like, I was like, this is literally what I said. I was like, okay, fuck, what are we going to create now? <laughs> and so we weren't actually, I won't say we were not stressed, but we weren't overwhelmed with stress, but we just kind of rolled up in sleeves and said, okay, what do we have? We've got Zoom. I've got a spare room. I've got a flip chart. Amazing. Um, let's create some online workshops. Now, you know, through trial and error, I've created a, effectively a, 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 an improved, evolved version of my business by just getting on with creating something in service to others through my inner whisper and parking my doubts and fears about myself. And if you can get all those combinations together, you know, that's when you really trigger synchronicity, law of attraction, magic, all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, everything we're talking about is together you can't have one without the other you know there's, there's so much value in what we're sharing here we could probably take one point of what we shared and do an hour-long podcast on that and make it you know 10 year series on it you know um so i think i just want to give some everyone a, a bit of a takeaway if, if you're sitting at home and it's hit the fan for you financially maybe you've been furloughed you lost your job you're self-employed you've got no income you've maybe your health isn't good i, I really encourage you to go not deny what's going on, but actually go, you know what? What can I create with what I've got right now? And if you want to maybe elevate that, what can I create with what I've got right now that can maybe bring me some joy? Because I think if you can get into a flow of joy whilst you're creating, you know, you might you might be onto something. Cool. I made um a couple of notes here before we went live. Um, because I thought it'd be nice to give people some ways to be innovative or creative. Yeah. Um, so I, I thought I'd just share some that maybe they're not standard or they're not normal ones that you'd read. Um, when you were talking earlier, Ryan, about um, I, I did that speech just from a couple of notes on my phone when everyone was, was using, you know, PowerPoint and I, I got voted best speaker. And um, I think you referenced a couple of other things. I have a desire to be different. Um, yeah. So I think if you have a desire to be different, you'll look to achieve an outcome in a different way to others. Um, and for me, creativity and genius um, and innovation is, is probably doing what others do, but in your own unique way. Correct. Because I, I didn't invent the public speech. Um, so it's not like I'm doing something completely unique. And there's probably not that many things left on the planet that's completely eureka, unique, that no one's ever seen. Like when you get a new model of car, it looks a bit like the last one. We've got an electric one, not a petrol one. So everything is really now more evolution than revolution. 
just because, you know, we've created so much over the millennia or whatever it is. But, um, you know, I do believe in modeling the traits of the greats. I do believe in standing on the shoulders of giants. Um, and, but I really believe that you can do things your way and you can be individual. And um, whether that's the way you dress, the way you speak, um, the values that you hold, um, the way you serve your clients, the delivery mechanism, your fee structure. There's just so many ways to be you. Um, and being different is just really thinking different. And thinking different is looking at what everyone else is doing and trying to do something different. So for me, I, I won that, um, you know, look, it's just a vote. It's nice to get voted, you know, the best speaker at a very um, prestigious event. Um, but I just looked, what's everyone else doing? PowerPoint. What shall I not do? PowerPoint. Um, yeah, well, so, uh, I, I watched a couple of the speakers before and, and, you know, they, they were just clicking through the slides and, you know, g- giving points of value. And I just thought I'll come on and I will just, um, tell jokes and you can really get in their face and just go hard at them. Everyone was, the, the, the speakers I'd seen were you know, pretty polite and, you know, pretty, um, <laughs> And I just went in and just got in their face. You, you'd obviously not seen me speak then, so. Uh. Well, no, I mean, yeah. Um, so I, I was, so modeling the traits of the greats, but honoring your own uniqueness. I think that is a great way to be creative and fulfilled, um, and you know, to serve, but also to meet your own needs too, to be to be memorable, um, to grow. So yeah, I just wanted to add that. So. Um, I believe you are at your most innovative when, one, you are your most challenged. So I think a lot of people want to avoid challenge. Um, they want to hide from problems, not not face them head on. Because let's be honest, problems, we can change the word from problem to challenge. Still fucking hurts sometimes. And actually, it's calling it a challenge and not a problem doesn't always make it any easier. Okay, it's better language, but it still fucking hurts sometimes. Um, but you will be your most creative and innovative when you are your most challenged. As long as that's a challenge, you're inspired to solve. Because, you know, if someone has an importance on in the medical profession um, and, you know, they're trying to solve an, an illness, a disease or whatever, you know, they're not going to go, oh, I tried a couple of experiments. Fuck that. Doesn't work. Now I'm never going to find this cure. They are just going to keep trying and trying and trying and trying. I wouldn't because I've got no knowledge, experience or, or necessary passion in that area. But someone who's inspired, whereas when it comes to a business problem, you know, you, I'll, I'll have 15, 20, 30 goes at that. So you will likely be your most creative, i.e. you will solve problems in the most effective way when you are your most challenged. So um, I think that's useful to know because instead of going, oh, this is difficult, oh, massive problem, oh, I don't want to deal with this, this is your chance to be the most creative. Um, if you think about Uber, um, you know, that was a very challenged business model. Airbnb, if you read the history of that, people, you, you know, um, there's a few deaths in people's houses. And, you know, what's that that was would maybe get blamed um, for Airbnb? Um, Tesla, um, you know, they've obviously had great challenge. I mean, they've really struggled to make a profit. But obviously, they've got a, a really disruptive business model. Um, the next thing is, um, I think you'll be the most creative when you're living according to your highest values. Um, so if you're subordinating to someone else's values or doing something that someone else wants of you, imposes upon you um, instead of what most inspires and fulfills you, then I don't think you'll want to solve that. I don't think you'll be creative. Whereas if you're living according to your highest values, what's most important to you in your life and you're prioritizing your your actions according to that, 
I think you will be the most creative. You'll be the most spontaneously inspired and energized. So I definitely believe that. And then I think the third thing is I think you'll be the most creative when you are serving people. Um, and I think when you serve vast numbers of people, you are committed to creativity and evolution and innovation because you have accountability. Um, I really believe that there's, I've been talking about this a lot on podcasts. So um, I, I'll try not to, to um, go into this too much if people have been watching my podcast recently. Not mine, by the way, ones I've been interviewed on. Um, but I think when it comes to um, service, I think there's something deep within us um, that attributes our value to service. Um, people are always asking me about improving their self-worth and their confidence. And in Adlerian psychology, Alfred Adler, who was one of the big three with Freud and um, I always forget one of their names, um, Jung. Jung, Freud and Adler, but Adler's the guy that's often not remembered as much as Jung and Freud. Um, but in Adlerian psychology, um, they, but the, their philosophy um, believes and lives by the guidance that you will feel high worth when you are valuable to others and that fulfillment and happiness and self-worth is being valuable. Um, and I think there must be something biological and evolutionary in that because, look, we can all be selfish beings. But I think we'd all agree that let's say um, you found 50 quid on the floor. That'd feel pretty good. You might pocket that. If you maybe um, helped an old lady across the road and she was struggling with her bags and you walked her home, might that feel better than the 50 quid? It might feel equal. It might feel a bit better. If you saved the life of a vulnerable child, would that feel better than picking 50 quid up off the floor. You know damn well it would. That would feel amazing. Um, I have done some things for charity and I have raised some money for people's operations. Um, and probably the most intense, pleasurable experience I've had this year, bar none. In fact, the most intense, pleasurable experience was when um, my sister needed a life-changing kidney operation. And you were involved in that, Ryan. And I um, I just put a cup, uh, her... Um, um, charity raising link in a couple of um, WhatsApp groups. And we raised 16 grand in like five minutes. Um, and and a, a friend, friend of mine was sat in the car. My sister phoned me up in tears, in tears. And she was just like, wow, Rob, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I put the phone down and that's the happiest I've felt this year. That moment yeah. will, will live with me. So um, I believe that self-worth is linked to the value you give to others. Um, and I believe there's something biological in us that um, makes us desire to be valuable. And the more valuable we are, the more fulfilled we will be. Um, and therefore, I believe we will be forced to be creative and innovative um, when we are serving vast numbers of people. Um, it's something I could talk about for many hours, Ryan. I, I won't talk about it anymore. But, um, when I have had my most challenging times this year, and I've had some challenging times this year, it seems that the one go-to thing for me to feel better is to go and help some people, mm. do a load of one-to-one -one calls, go and serve some people, give some money to charity, do something good. I, I don't know why. It just seems to be the best thing out of anything I do to get myself out of my own funk. 
And again, th there's got to be something chemical, biological, something hardwired into our brain and our evolution. And I guess my basic theory is that um, we're an interdependent species, i.e. I couldn't survive without you on this planet and you couldn't survive without me. Like if we go back 10,000 years, we had a small tribe, didn't we? And there was lots of small tribes, but really spaced far apart where, who, who weren't connected. But in our little community, we had a butcher, we had a hunter, gatherer, we had a butcher, cobbler, um, ironmonger, you know, someone made, made the houses, you know, someone cooked, raised the kids. But there might have been 15 or 20 jobs. That was it. Um, now, one of those jobs didn't get paid 150,000% more than another one of those jobs. There wasn't um, a, an in-debt cobbler and a billionaire ironmonger. You know, we were all relatively equal. Our relationships were horizontal, not vertical, i.e. not really hierarchical. Um, but without uh, the 20 or 50 or 1,000 of us in our little tribe, without each of us, we, we wouldn't survive. We would die. We are very yeah. dependent interdependent species so because of that we have to have equal value in serving others as we do to serve ourselves. um so i think there's something in the human evolution that forces us to need to serve and therefore we get these chemical rewards of happiness and fulfillment which are way different diff they're way deeper than picking up 50 pound that you find on the floor mm. um, because the reward needs to be equal to the value of the task that we solve for humanity that's why get rich quick and quick hits and drugs and alcohol and gimmicks and material items and ego and vanity. That's why those things, yeah, they're addictive, but they're so short-lived because they yeah. don't serve humanity and they're not deep fulfillment. They're just um, transient and superficial. Yeah, 100%. I actually learned um, about the concept of service uh, when I was 26 and I first got into a 12-step fellowship for my alcohol and substance, my recreational substance addiction. And one of the key points is that on day one, you get a commitment of some sort, whether that's cleaning up the chairs, packing the chairs away, making the teas and coffees, welcoming people, handing up pamphlets. It's not rock and roll tasks. And that is an essential part of recovery from addiction. Now, I wasn't the most addicted person in the room. I, I, I'd met people who were maybe had a car accident. You, you hear these stories all the time and they got into oxy or some kind of painkiller, then, you know, within months, their heroin addicts lose their family, lose everything, sell their bodies to feed their addiction. Like horrendous stories, you know, people that I used to judge on the street, I look at that and go, oh my God, I'm not that person. And then you realize, oh my gosh, you know, um, addiction is a very, very chronic thing. I think we're all addicted to something. Well, probably all addicted to a lot, actually, <laughs> thanks to the marketing that's out there in the world, right? But, but get this, so service, is a fundamental act, if we can bring it back to the nature of this call, of creativity that gets the person out of self, because once you get out of self, how can you be addicted? So mm. service is an act of spirit for me, and um, self is an act of separation. You know, when I started out as an entrepreneur, you know, many years ago, I used to look at competition as someone who I need to bring down, judge, criticize, um, you know, and primarily I felt insecure about. But as I kind of grew up a little bit, and I've got a lot of growing up to do still, I realized that people that I used to criticize and project and try and bring down because maybe I was jealous of their success or 
maybe I just felt righteous about their approach. I realized, you know what? I can possibly learn from these people. They can possibly learn from me. And so I, so as I kind of evolved my consciousness through the work that I teach, I naturally started to focus on, well, how can I serve that person that I used to despise and say I would never touch with a barge pole, you know? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, they're actually really nice people. And, you know, I guess what I'm saying is what you're relying on here, what, you're, what you've so very uh, brilliantly explained to people is that if there's, if there's an opportunity to create in service in relation to some purpose, whether it's helping other people or maybe your vision, I, that, that's for me, I define that as life mastery, where you can mm. serve others through creating intuitively from your genius in line with your purpose. Uh, I, I think anyone that goes on that journey will will be richly rewarded and i'm not just saying financially i'm saying in many many ways you know like you said fulfillment happiness i i don't talk a lot about what i do philanthropically because that's not why i do it i do it for the buzz i do it for the accountability i know that when i start to question myself or the market changes and i get a bit afraid about my marketing and i want to go into self which for me you know uh, my family, my parents went bankrupt twice. So my fear of failure is chronic, right? Luckily, I've done some good work around that uh, over, the, over the years. But when I want to go into survival mode, it's service that triggers my creativity because I'm like, oh, hang on a second. I can't close up shop. I mean, I wouldn't do that. That's an extreme uh, example. But I can't reduce my efforts. I can't reduce my revenue. I can't play small because I've got a bill to pay where there's a few things that personally, even today, I'm financially committed to. Not, it, it's just a commitment I've made up, but you know, a few grand every month. Uh, if I don't pay those bills, some people are gonna be homeless. Some people are not gonna get fed. And, and so you see that, that wonderful small act of service, that's another form of motivation slash inspiration for me. So I think you've touched on a very, very powerful point. You know, if, if a complete and utter, you know, hopeless example of humanity to probably no fault of their own can, can become a, a drug addict and then through the act of service, heal addiction overnight, dude, overnight. They don't drink or drug. They don't think about it. Like, how did that happen, right? You know, service is powerful. I think it evokes the deepest part of our, our genius and our spirit. Um, so, I, you know, what you said there really resonates for me. hundred percent. I think we should leave that there because that's the perfect place. Um, I think leaving um, the discussion on service is great. I certainly have found in my moments of greatest pain, I become the most selfish. Um, and that's because I'm, try you know, we're trying to alleviate our own pain and you go into self to alleviate your pain. So I think one of the ways you can become less selfish, i.e. come out of self, is to fix your own pain. And I think one of the ways to fix your own pain is to, you know, give to others. So I think it's a great way to end this discussion, if you're cool with that. Um, totally cool. Right. Should we do a shout out for your stuff? I don't know if you have, is your, if your podcast is live yet or where people can follow you. Yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be coming up, uh, the Super Genius Live podcast. And, you know, just follow me on social media, check out the launch of the podcast. So I'll announce it now and say, keep a lookout for that. Uh, I'll also be interviewing many, many interesting people. 
And, uh, you know, for me, maybe a billionaire is someone who has successfully created something that serves lots of people. You know, um, it's, it's, it's always astonishing because when I started my journey and I heard people go, oh, I never really did it for the money. I was like, oh, wanker, yeah, whatever you did, you did it for the money, right? And then you kind of become a creator and then you go, oh, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm measuring my finances, but I'm not doing it for that. I am, but I'm focusing on what can I create to serve people? So I just love to leave people that note, you know, if you're new or you're looking to innovate something uh, or you maybe you're forced to pivot, uh, which will now be a swear word in our communities, only kidding, um, then, you know, ask yourself a question and maybe do a meditation on this or a visualization or a written exercise. Uh, what can I create to serve people that I would love to deliver? Uh, and I think you'll find tremendous inspiration from that. So, Rob, I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation with you. Love you to bits, mate. And um, uh, the time flies when we're together. So, Thanks, everyone. See you later.